Welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. I'm Roxanne Varza, and I'm here with Tech.eu editor Robin Waters. Hi, Robin. Hey, Roxanne. So we missed last week, but this week we are back with a great lineup of topics, including Amazon's Echo and Echo Dot, which have arrived in the UK and Germany, North Zone, which has closed a 300 million euro fund and is eyeing UK startups. We have a number of acquisitions from across Europe in locations, including Romania, Greece, Serbia, and more. So we'll cover that. Robin, you have had a chance to catch up with Funding Circle, and we will wrap up with a discussion of a new startup hub that's to be launched in Sweden. So kind of very, very European episode this week. Let's jump right in with Amazon's Echo and Echo Dot arriving in Europe. So this is the first release for Amazon's voice-controlled speaker outside of the U.S. The product will be arriving in the U.K. and Germany, which is actually the first non-speaking launch in Germany for the Alexa voice-controlled assistant. Pre-orders of the product have already started in the U.K. for £149.99 and an additional £50 for the Echo Dot. That will ship actually in the following weeks. In Germany, the product will sell for just a little bit more in euros, so £100. 79.99 euros and additional 60 euros for the dot. Amazon says it will sell over 3 million of the devices powered by artificial intelligence and machine learning this year. That number should actually increase to 10 million in 2017. Obviously, Echo and Echo Dot allow you to make purchases on Amazon, but they also connect you to different apps like Spotify, CNN, a number of different services like smart lights, timekeeping, alarms, essentially helps you control your entire life. And what's really great is that Amazon has actually localized the product for each market. So in the UK, Echo will connect to the Hive thermostat, NetAtmo, Just Eat, and more. And in Germany, you can order rides on my taxi. You can pay bills for Deutsche Telekom and more. So it's really great to see them kind of localizing the product as well. And Robin, I'm not going to lie. It sounds actually really cool. Have you seen it? What do you think? Well, believe it or not, I'm not as much of an early adopter as you'd expect from a tech journalist, uh, to my shame. Um, I've never even seen an Amazon Echo or Echo Dot in action. Um, and I'd be lying if I said I really know much about it. That said, from what I've seen and heard from people way smarter than me, and even some who are not easily impressed by new technology anymore, it seems like Amazon has a real hit on its hands with these products. Um, they're really innovative. At the same time, they're they're suitable for a lot of use cases. They connect to a ton of services. Uh, and importantly, they cater to a mass audience. These aren't products for techies per se. Uh, and I'm pretty sure they will do very well in the UK and Germany, as they did in the United States so far. Um, so I think the 10 million mark for 2017 might even be a little bit low. So we'll see how that goes. But the next question is, of course, which countries and languages are next? Obviously, I'm not going to hold my breath for Dutch-speaking versions of these uh, anytime soon, but you might get lucky with French. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually really interesting. You kind of expect them to launch in the UK, but Germany as their first non-English speaking market is kind of a surprise, I guess. But yeah, I've also heard really great things about it. And a, a very, very prominent French entrepreneur who shall remain nameless told me that he thought this was kind of the next big thing. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Now, European fund North Zone has closed a 300 million euro fund. The fund has offices in Sweden, Norway, London, and New York, and has previously back companies like Spotify, Klarna, and iZettle. The fund will be primarily dedicated to early stage startup and is eyeing fintech and health tech especially, um, but other areas that they're interested in include e-commerce, B2B SaaS solutions, and media. Northstone actually made some great additions to its team, uh, bringing on Mihil Cotting from Excel 
partners and also Christopher Steinow, who's a former entrepreneur. They both came onto the fund last year. Yes, great news uh, for the European tech scene. Definitely among the strongest and the smartest investors in the European market. Norton has really been ramping up nicely in the last few years. And you mentioned their investments in companies like Spotify and Klarna, but they've also backed potentially huge companies like Lazara, Wallapop. Kahoot and Trustpilot, in companies that went public, such as Toby, which makes eye tracking technology, uh, in companies that have successful exit through M&A transactions, such as Avido in Russia, uh, and many more. So it's so a really good portfolio there. The fund now has more than 1 billion euro under management in total. I'm pretty sure they'll continue down their path of making very smart early stage investments uh, across Europe, so no longer only in the Nordics. It's nice to see a fund outgrow its home market, uh, if you will. So the North in the name North Tone might not be as relevant anymore as it once used to be. So we'll see them make investments all over the place, not just in the UK and the Nordics, but I'm guessing all over Europe. Yeah, I have to say, I think they're potentially low profile for just how good their portfolio is. Yeah, well, they're Nordic, so they're supposed to be low profile in everything that they do. <laughs> that might not be a false claim. So now we, I feel like we missed one podcast and all the acquisitions were announced across Europe during that week. It has been a really great season for acquisitions. So we had a few that were announced in places like Serbia, Greece, Ireland, Romania, and more. So Let's start with one of the more impressive ones. I think Serbian WordPress management service, appropriately named ManageWP, was acquired by GoDaddy. And this was actually not as picked up by the press as I would have expected. The company headquartered in Belgrade, self-funded with revenues of $1 million and employing 30 people at the time of the acquisition. The terms of the deal were not disclosed and the staff is relocating to the U.S., although GoDaddy uh, says that the product will remain independent and will integrate some of ManageWP's tech into its own products. Yes, great to see an acquisition happen in Serbia. Uh, now, another great acquisition that was announced very recently took place in Ireland. Um, Irish chip designer Movidius, uh, not so very well known, but I've been watching them for a while. They were acquired by Intel for 300 million euros. Um, now, uh, this company was founded in Dublin over 10 years ago, so it's not a really young startup anymore, but really high tech, very, very innovative. Uh, they've raised over 85 million to date, including a $40 million round last year. One of the company's investors, uh, Draper Esprit, said it would be getting a 27 million pound return on the uh, 3.6 pound uh, well million pound initial investment they made uh, for a 10 percent stake in the company and just to break that down for our listeners that's a 7.5x return for great press free so that's good for the investors it's good for the company and it's very good for dublin yeah i think it's super interesting too when when investors release that information you can see actually how good of a deal it was. But now a place that you don't necessarily expect to associate with acquisitions, Greece. Greek startup Solid Iris Technologies, which specializes in photorealistic rendering and visualization, and don't ask me to go into the technicalities of that, has been acquired by US-based Altair. There isn't a ton of accessible information on the Greek company other than it was founded in 2012 and seems to have not raised funding. The terms of the deal were also not disclosed. But this comes on top of another acquisition that recently took place in Greece, Athens-based ad tech startup Avocarat was bought by Berlin's Galispa, bringing a darling startup of the Greek startup ecosystem to German hands. Yep. And finally, the last acquisition that we'll discuss this week on the podcast takes place in Romania. Well, kind of. We saw a video ad company Teats acquiring UK and Romania-based Brainiant, which specializes in interactive video ads. Uh, now, Brainiant was founded in 2009. They were kind of a fixture of the London tech scene. 
Uh, but they have a very strong base in Romania. Uh, they've raised about $4 million to date until the acquisition. In terms of the deal were not disclosed once again, but a source close to the startup revealed to TechCrunch that they've been fielding offers around 10 to $12 million. So, So I'm guessing the price was kind of around that, which was a pretty good outcome for the company that was bound to be acquired at some point. Yeah, I think um, also the, the founder seems to be very prominent in the UK tech space as well. But now, Robin, you had a chance to catch up with Dr. Christian Grobe from Funding Circle. Hey, this is Robin from TechU. I'm here at the DLD conference in Brussels, and I am here with Christian Grobe, who's one of the co-founders of Zencap, recently acquired by Funding Circle. What's Funding Circle? Funding Circle is the leading marketplace for SME loans worldwide. So we have presence in five countries. We are in UK, where the business was originally founded. Then we branched out to the US and recently um, just did the continental European markets, Germany, Spain and the Netherlands. Can you walk me through the beginnings of your company and how it became part of Funding Circle? Because that happened very fast. But can you just walk us through the the basics? What happened? Sure. So my good friend um, Matthias and I founded the company in 2014 in February. Before that, we both were at McKinsey for for six years doing a lot of banking and looking into the strategic developments of the banking industry. And by doing that, we very quickly saw that everything around digital banking, marketplace lending is, is really an industry that is there to last. And um, so far, it has only been in the UK and the US, and there was no big player in continental Europe. So we activated our old contact to, to Oli Zamba back then from, from Rocket Internet, who was very up for doing something with us. So um, we quit our jobs at McKinsey and started Zencap. And then after only one and a half years, where we saw like great traction branching out from Germany to Spain to the Netherlands, we got into talks with uh, Samir from Funding Circle, who is the CEO there, and we very, very quickly saw that our businesses really fit very well together and that there's also a big strategic component um, of doing stuff together because why should you fight as two marketplace lenders in a competition and not fight the banks together? Got it. Okay. So you're now part of Friending Circle, which is arguably the largest P2P uh, low marketplace in Europe. We've seen what happened in the US. I mean, we've seen the rise of that phenomenon in the fintech world in the last 10 years. We've also seen some of the pitfalls, uh, most notably Lending Club and the struggles that it's had. Um, so how do you look at that? from from your perspective? I think that's the typical um, events you always witness when an industry matures. So there will always be mistakes. But um, for us, it was uh, always like a, a very important point to be very diligent on setting up our controls in like writing our risk framework and in dealing with those issues like very early on. So I think um, it doesn't only remind us, but the whole industry, how important um, boring sounding stuff like compliance, regulatory frameworks, and and all that is, because we are still dealing with other people's money. And it will be very, very important to just focus on putting the right controls in place across the whole industry, because when one player fails, it will have a negative impact on all. And I think that's what needed to be avoided. So more broadly speaking, the fintech industry in Europe, um, does it have a bright future? Or what do you think is going to happen in the next, say, five years? I think marketplace lending in general has a very, very bright future because um, it solves a real problem that you see in the business world. I mean, there are many, many companies out there that have difficulty in accessing fast and flexible term loans. And on the other hand, you're seeing like low interest rates across the whole of Europe and investors seeking a new asset class. And I think that's why those market lenders have thrived um, over the last years. And I think with the technology they have in place and the position they have, they will continue to thrive. 
what are the chances of Funding Circle staying independent, meaning you know not going public and staying on their own course, getting acquired by a bank, or having to partner with banks just to you know keep the momentum going and the growth going? What do you think is likely to happen? I mean, we already partner with banks today, right? We have a big partnership with Santander and uh, Lloyd's in uh, in the UK. We have bank partnerships uh, in Germany with the Spada Bank, um, so a cooperative bank. We have the same in the US. So that story about fintech against uh, the old banking world, I think in the end that that doesn't hold. But does that mean that we are not an independent player um, going forward? I don't think so. I mean, we have the technology, we have the people, and we have shown that we have solved um, like everything around risk so that I'm very, very confident that Funding Circle has a very bright future on its own. Thank you. So you were here at the conference to actually talk on a panel about Brexit, which is a slightly different topic, but very relevant as you started your company in Berlin and were acquired by UK companies. So you're actually based in the UK now as a, as a company speaking. So so what are your thoughts on Brexit? What was um, the conclusion from the panel? So basically, when we look at Brexit, first of all, we don't know whether it will actually be happening in the end or if it happens how actually will it look like? So there's a lot of insecurity and uncertainty around that. That said, um, at the moment, I think we would focus on three relevant topics to make sure that we don't see too much negative impact. So number one is the uh, talent pool. So we need to make sure as being a tech business that we still have enough movement of labor so that we can get all the best uh, tech people usually coming from from Eastern Europe into our business. Then secondly, it's about our institutional investor base. So as a global marketplace funding loans, we are dependent on institutional investors buying our assets. And I think we need to reassure them that the uncertainty that now is evolving, that we can solve that and that even if Brexit happens, we, we have a good asset class where they can invest in. And then thirdly, which is midterm probably the most complicated is um, all the questions around regulatory. So at the moment, all the regulation about fintech is national regulation. But in two, three, four years or five years down the road, we will see a European regulation evolving. And the problem with that would be if, if the UK is out of that, then you might have a different regulatory regime in the UK than you do have in the rest of Europe. And that, of course, um, will increase regulatory cost, compliant cost, and also make it more different to build a, a unified platform that is like very scalable across Europe. Well, very tangible risks uh, indeed from Brexit. Maybe final question. Uh, what's the next step for Funding Circle as a company in terms of uh, product or expansion to other countries? Um, what, what, what are we likely to see in the next few months? So at the moment, we, we don't have very concrete plans on further expanding or doing um, new products. We're currently focusing, I mean, you mentioned the, um, the takeover by Funding Circle of Zencap. And I think we now focus as a management team on making the integration work. And we focus on the internal dynamics of um, our company to make it successful for the next two years. And then we probably can think about further expansion on new products. Right. And then we'll talk again. Christian, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Bye-bye. And finally, seems there's a trend across Europe of successful entrepreneurs building huge local startup hubs in their home country. Obviously, I'm familiar with this topic, but in Sweden, it's been announced that one of Klarna's founders has invested under $20 million into a 2,400 square meter warehouse that he wants to turn into a startup hub in central Stockholm. So obviously, 2,400 square meters is far from being Europe's biggest startup hub, but it may be 
Europe's biggest startup hub for social impact, which is apparently where they're trying to position this. The space is set to open in 2017, and it will actually include some really cool services. They'll have photography studios, film studios, 3D printers, VR equipment, and a meditation room. Rumors also have it there'll be a playground for children and a place for pets to be brought to work. Honestly, I just think that sounds like a ton of fun, so we should just go check it out anyway. Yeah, it's really cool. I think the key here is that this is going to be a massive place for social entrepreneurs rather than catering to people trying to reinvent photo sharing or online dating again. And Nicholas, who was one of the founders of Klarna, which is arguably one of the most successful European tech companies ever, recently left the fintech firm after about 11 years and sold his shares for obviously quite a bit of cash. It's absolutely great to see him put that money to use for others rather than himself. I absolutely love his comment on an article about the upcoming startup hub. Uh, as he told a local newspaper, I don't think a bag of money would make me happier, and I can only eat so much tenderloin steak per day. Uh, Very hard to argue (laughs) with that. And on that note, we would be happy if you would subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. We're at Roxanne Barza, myself at Robin Waters, and of course, TechEU at tech underscore EU. And you can eat as much tenderloin steak per day after that. Bye, Roxanne. (laughs) Talk to you next week. Bye, Robin. (laughs) 